Hey guys, and welcome back to the Peak PT Studio podcast uh, with myself, Rich Higgins, and this week I'm joined by Josh Jurieff as well. So um, after my monologue from last week, um, yeah, I'm joined along by Josh, who is my friend and business partner, and he is going to be with me on most of the podcast going forward, hopefully as well. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks, bud. Glad to be back to some outdoor training, seeing some people face to face. Yeah, it's good. You get stuck in, getting amongst it all. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see some uh, some human faces, not on a not on a screen. Oh God, just tedious going on the screen sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I just got really bad as well in terms of like, I don't know. You just get comfortable, don't you? And you're like, slip down to sit on the sofa or whatever it is or sit in the conservatory to start your sessions for the day and yeah everything just becomes a little bit bit easy doesn't it so it's nice to be back out and change the scenery and stuff I'd say though I did do one I've done one more zoom session this morning because it was 6am and I didn't really fancy getting to the studio for 6am in the dark and cold at the minute maybe when it brightens up a little bit but yeah we'll see I mean, I've got a few clients at six um, this week, and where the lights we've got, um, then for those that haven't seen the studio, we've got a, um, I don't know how to describe it, but outdoor lighting, and um, it kind of uses, well, kind of use it quite well, so it's quite helpful, um, but yeah, it's a bit cold at six, a bit nippy. Yeah, it's pretty useful having that little canopy, it just kind of keeps you from the weather a bit, doesn't it, I suppose, Yeah. Um, which is cool. But yeah, we've um, so we we put this out on social media that we were doing a podcast. Um, we asked you guys for some questions, some topics to talk about. Um, mainly being so we didn't have to be the kind of generic Instagram PTs that are being like, "Oh, I've been asked this question so many times, so I thought I'd put out a post about it." And um, we know no one's asking you the question. So um, thank you very much to everyone that has putting in questions. And yeah, we don't have to just say like, I've got a question from Mr. Uh, Jeff, Jerry F. And uh, he asks, um, so yeah, thanks for that and keep them coming. So a few topics to, to cover. We got one specific question on foam rolling the IT band. We want to kind of broaden this out a little bit because um, as I said last week, Josh is sports therapy trained. He's got a degree in sports science. So he can kind of take this topic a little bit deeper and a little bit further um, than maybe. And yeah, a little bit of background. This is actually my first ever interaction with Josh before we met each other <laughs> was, I have told him this before, but um, yeah, our previous job when we were both working in a commercial gym, Josh joined like slightly later than I did. And uh, my boss came to me and was like, yeah, we've we've hired another PT uh, Josh Jurieff like gave me his, I think I had a look through his CV or something uh, I was like cool so did the usual thing searched him on Facebook gave him a bit of a Google and uh, the first thing that popped up on Google was a article that he'd written on um, foam rolling the IT band so yeah it's a it's a pretty good topic to go on our first podcast I reckon mate takes us back to back to the beginning of our relationship <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, what's your, what's your, I mean, yeah, obviously you read that article, that must be quite a few years ago, um, but what's your thoughts on, I guess, yeah, we'll go on foam rolling the IT band first, um, I'll give a few of my sort of um, 
unsports therapy educated thoughts on foam rolling and then you can actually hear some with some decent knowledge (laughs) um well i mean when i first wrote it it was down it was when foam rolling really came out if you know if you wind the clock back we're talking kind of 2016-17 where every personal trainer was jumping on the kind of like you know my fascia release and just you know that bandwagon was really kind of in full swing it was really rolling so i was i think back in 2016 starting my sports therapy qualifications and everyone was in a kind of thought process of oh you should definitely get everyone doing you know following your it band you know if you've got a runner's knee you should just get on there <laughs> and just spend at least like 10 10 minutes per day and then i just kind of thought well does it really kind of answer or kind of tick that box on that client? And then, yeah, kind of did some thinking and reading behind it. And yeah, it turns out you can't really do much in terms <laughs> of um, rolling with your IT band. It's, it's, it's that thing in fitness, isn't it? How like problems have been around for quite a long time. But yeah, like suddenly this miracle thing comes along. And as like a PT or as a sports therapist, like you're always a bit sceptical when... Yeah, some sort of issue. I mean, it's great when things do work, but when it's it suddenly becomes like everyone's first answer for, like you say, any sort of issue, um, it's always a bit of a red flag. I remember a while ago, I got um, a client had come to me sort of semi-referred from her GP, basically telling her to start some exercise. And... Um, she came in and was like, and it was around the time of like TRX is coming a bit more prominent. And she just said, oh, my um, GP said I should do some TRX. I was like, um, okay, like anything specific? I was like, the TRX is a bit of equipment. It's like saying, oh, my uh, GP just said I should come do some barbell. Like, what? That, that doesn't help it's just that kind of like blanket statement of oh, I heard this is good and it's kind of new in the industry give that a go I think I mean there's from that kind of medical point of view as well there's not a lot of apart from one that stands out which I think his username is Dr. Mike the second yeah 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 um, he's a doctor and listening to his podcast you know he's, he's got some really good points and he's kind of well researched and backed whereas yeah like you just said go and do some TRX yeah cool what do you mean yeah I think it's I mean like as PTs we're well used to being told to stay in our lane and and quite rightly in a lot of cases is like no one needs to be dishing out um as a PT unless you're qualified like dishing out medical advice or like therapy advice or any of that kind of stuff um but yeah again it works both ways doesn't it yeah. But yeah, with I mean, with like the foam rolling from my point of view, again, and like you look at kind of the research on this and what it seems to do, where most benefit seems to be is kind of easing of perceived pain or even like perceived um, DOMS or whatever it might be after exercise. So it, it kind of seems to have more of a psychological effect than any kind of physical effect. But having said that, like, I don't think if someone is in pain, who am I to tell them to stop doing something that is potentially easing that pain? So exactly like you said, it could still be a tool that they use, 
but understanding that there's more to the rehab process from an injury or there's more to the recovery process that that isn't the the kind of keystone as it were if you want to use it and you feel that it kind of alleviates a bit of pain and stuff then cool but yeah I don't think it's that that sort of be all and end all and definitely from an injury perspective especially like muscular injuries and stuff I've seen that before of people you know with like genuine tears uh like hamstrings and quads and stuff and they're like foam rolling it it's like no 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 that's that's not good um so yeah as long as it's kind of not getting to that extent if it's just pain relief then i mean yeah crack on if it if it feels good for sure yeah i mean the way i would kind of work with our patients is that is cause and effect Mm -hmm. you know if if they you know got a pain somewhere there's always one reason why they have it or a multiple of reasons why yeah so yeah it's just trying to reverse engineer what they're doing and then kind of engineer something in place yeah that's it that's it um yeah so i think that's kind of our take on foam rolling like personally again from a pt perspective i'm probably not going to spend much time in a session if any at all unless someone really wants to um doing kind of any sort of foam rolling i just when a client comes to see me it's something they can do on their own at home like i don't think it's a great use of my time um, I might do a little bit occasionally with people, like I say, if they feel it helps and they've got something specific, um, then yeah, we might work on it. Um, but for the most part, it's not kind of like, my, I, I don't start my sessions with foam rolling, which I guess kind of a few people do. But again, it's preference and as long as it's doing no harm, then yeah, all cool. I mean, like rolling on to what you said about sort of injuries and looking at specific problems like another topic that we got messaged about on instagram was posture i think this is a really interesting one because i've definitely changed kind of the way i look at posture a little bit and almost how i categorize posture rather than it being this sort of static um overview of just seeing you know a photo of someone or someone stood still and looking at their posture and go oh they slouch or oh they've got massive lumbar lordosis or whatever it might be they've got huge anterior pelvic tilt and thinking that thinking straight away like that must mean they're going to have this issue this issue this issue um is actually looking kind of a bit deeper i think that can cloud your judgment as a personal trainer if you've still got that in your head of looking at someone's posture seeing them slouching and and then the the sole focus of your training is like i need to fix that issue whereas actually looking a bigger picture of like okay how do they move how do they function um what i mean what are their goals like do they have a is it sport specific all of that kind of stuff plays into it rather than just looking at this kind of really one-dimensional how they how they look when they're standing yeah i mean i always remember um, I mean, we've both been on the commercial uh, gym floor kind of mm-hmm. scene for a while. We've done our kind of fair, fair share of time. Yeah. And it's, you know, we've taught loads of classes where you look at a multitude of things and posture sometimes is, is quite key when you see some people running on the treadmill or, mm-hmm. you know, just squatting their form, things like that. Mm. But, um, yeah, when you kind of walk on the gym floor and you just think, well, how can you kind of help that person and it's just 
kind of taking a couple of things into consideration and factor those in into kind of how to help them. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like spot checking one area is quite a. Um, it's like a blinkered approach, isn't it? Yeah, quite. It can be uh, going down the wrong rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And if you if you know like. When we when we're at PT school and you get given like a case study or some sort of make made up case study, and like the old school they used to throw stuff in of like, ah oh, this person suffers from because it's a tick box exercise, this person has excessive lumbar lordosis. So I mean, the thing is there in in yeah PT school you're meant to be going ah oh, how can I correct that? Whereas you might be missing like all of their goals, all of the psychological aspects of training, um, just by going down this kind of one rabbit hole. And actually like a static posture, someone's like anterior pelvic tilt, like it may cause an issue for someone, but it also may not. It's not because you have that characteristic does not dictate that you're going to be a more prone to certain injuries or anything like that. It's, it's it's like you say it's just part of the picture yeah that's it isn't it part of the, part of the jigsaw puzzle mm. yeah. we've seen people loads haven't we with i've had like the only time i can think actually that it's been really really relevant um i had a client who was a public speaker and so they were like really interested about posture and obviously when you talk to lots of people on stage and there's a, a huge amount of I don't know masses about it but a huge amount of kind of psychology that goes into that of how people stand on stage how they present themselves that's the only kind of person that I can think where I, I guess it's been really prominent in their training or like a real focal point um but I think for the most part, yeah, unless people are kind of showing issues, running's a really good example is, uh, and we talked about this the other day, is like if you got sort of the 10 fastest people in the world running around a track and you didn't know who they were and they were all running at the same speed, I bet you couldn't pick the fastest person out by looking at their posture. Yeah. And yeah. and that sort of, it's it's not completely indicative of sports performance or injury someone's posture yeah. there's there's far more to it that's it i mean kind of from a hockey background what sports mm. play like you, you look at everyone's posture on and off the field and i never thought of that at the time but as a personal trainer kind of oh man like i could really help you know tim over there because you know, his shoulders are completely rounded there's no core stability or strength there mm. and he's just asking for an injury mm. and um yeah you can never I mean, in some ways, that's good for a hockey player, apart from the core, like to have a, a low centre of gravity. Um, but kind of outside that sport, outside that kind of snip of time, you know, you could think about helping other people in that angle. Yeah, and that's it as well, isn't it? You've got to take, it's again taking that context in, because if, yeah, say for example, you start tinkering around with someone's posture that's an athlete that's going to change the way they perform and if they're midway through the season and you're trying to play around with their posture like it's very unlikely that's going to benefit their sporting performance so it might be something of like okay over off season if it's causing issues or if it's just about a general kind of health 
thing or how they're worried about how they stand or whatever it might be then it, that might be a time to look at it um yeah like you say rather than just jumping in straight away um <clears throat> mid-season and going kind of, we're gonna rip your posture apart and build you back up kind of thing yeah yeah sweet talking about posture um but kind of having um training through the mid kind of um, season like you just said i always remember a time where i just done a personal best with everything and then i thought oh, i've got a game on saturday i'll do that kind of wednesday yeah Hit my PB. I could not run for the night on Saturday. I didn't Yeah, when you kind of train through a season, just think about how to, um, you know, put it in your, your training properly. Yeah, man. I think that's it's actually another topic that came up. We'll probably talk about it in another podcast. But it's like training for sports performance, because mm. um, I think that gets kind of. Uh, misused quite a lot like strength and conditioning or strength for for sports performance people get I see it with like young lads in rugby for example and they say it's kind of S&C but really doing like chest and bicep curls and it's a bit of a vanity thing and then likewise you see the the classic is like someone who plays clearly plays golf like doing the old golf swing with the kettlebell or the dumbbell in the middle of the gym floor <laughs> again there's it's not like effective snc training um yeah but we'll, we're we're going to get on to sports specific training i think a little bit down the line we're both from sports background and it's kind of something that we're pretty passionate about so um yeah it's i think it's a really good topic <laughs> I mean, on, on kind of the training front, this was actually from um, an on cl- online client and we've actually just shifted him from, he was doing the sort of standard, I guess what you'd call like a bro split. He had a chest day, he had a leg day. Um, I know it's stereotyped as the bro split, but I see loads of people doing this. I see guys doing it. I see women doing it. They've got leg day. They've got upper body day. Even clients of ours, they come in and it's like, I mean, people have been training for quite a long time and they're like, oh, is it legs or upper body today? It's like, we do full body like pretty much every session. (laughs) But yeah, obviously, I think once you get past the first exercise, that's how they they decide what day it is. Like if we're doing chest first exercise, like, oh, it's upper body. Even if we do like split squats in the rest of the session. Um, and yeah, I mean, basically what he was asking, I've, I'd shifted him from, he was training uh, kind of three to, no, 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 sorry, uh, between kind of like four and six times a week. Um, he was splitting up body parts, which is kind of fair enough on um, the, when you're training at that, that kind of frequency. But I still think there's more effective ways of doing it. And I think it's a little bit... Um, it kind of closes you off to to loads of different types of training if you've just got a body part split in your head. Do you know what I mean? You can still have a day that is, say, like upper body push dominant, but you've got some yeah. lower body in there as well. Um, have a, I look at it as percentages. Yeah, yeah, for sh- yeah, exactly. 70% one movement. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, the, and his kind of question, we'd like shifted him from full body and he was like, am I going to basically like, is he going to 
deteriorate or kind of lose any of the progress he's made by doing body part splits mm-hmm. from ju- like jumping into a full body program. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, basically what I was saying to him is <clears throat> in short, no, although you might not get that feeling in the session of absolutely obliterating your legs or whatever it might be because you've just done legs for an hour there's a sweet spot and there's kind of a point of diminishing returns in basically that once you've get get to a certain amount of volume so sets and reps and how many exercises you do on one body part there's a point where that starts to become i mean basically wasting time you know once you once you've done sort of uh, there's tons of studies around this on different volumes and things but i mean roughly kind of 16 sets of uh, body parts vary but roughly kind of 16 sets um in a week on a body part you've you've pretty much hit it with enough volume and this is talking from like growing muscle basically um and anything beyond that is basically personal preference but knowing that it's it's probably not optimal it's potentially a little bit time wasting yeah i think the way we kind of our ethos and kind of principles of training it's down to what's you know obviously best for our clients mm-hmm. in that individual sense um but also kind of like you say you're going getting best bang for your buck yeah you know you kind of look at it and go right you got you were training in three hours a week i want to take every single box yeah really efficiently and knowing that you know on your sessions outside in the gym or outside doing your sport you know you have to work on this range of movement or this plane of movement to to kind of focus on and kind of like your homework yeah and that's the way we look at our training quite a lot isn't it and i try and encourage people to do this as much as rather than looking at exercises is look at movement patterns and go okay we're going to hit a squat and an upper body pull and we're going to do some hinging or some single leg work and it's just a much more effective way of basing your training yeah i think um then <clears throat> yeah trying to think of i mean the classic is like the hit workouts where they're doing okay we're doing jump squats we're doing burpees and we're doing box jumps it's just like we've done three exercises that are virtually the same movement and hitting the same muscle groups there's no kind of thought to overall planning there that's just i'm going to chuck some exercises together to make someone tired well, there's, you know to keep someone in one plane of movement you know yeah 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 you might want that i mean we talk about sport the sports so i play golf at the moment and you don't want to keep on in one kind of frontal transverse plane movement you yeah i think about okay how can i get a little bit more stronger in a you know, central plane so going forward and backwards or whatever it will be in that kind of snippet of time but training a client with just one kind of plane movement in mind, really kind of shoehorning them into, yeah. I guess, not making a lot of progress overall. Yeah, I trained someone today actually earlier this morning and we're doing some uh, like lateral step ups. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this is a funny movement, isn't it? I was like, yeah, a lot of people, like, a lot of stuff is everything's done in one kind of plane. We're doing everything in straight lines. And actually, day to day doesn't work like that. And it's training through splitting things into planes is i mean at the end of the day going to give you kind of a stronger all-round body basically yeah and i think that goes for sports performance and for day-to-day life yeah 100 percent. i mean we kind of at the moment where you know we're trying to keep all keep people moving and kind of activity high we go okay 
you know, try and get your steps up, do 10,000 steps. It's not, it's not like we see people crowd walking around whitely hood. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it comes, it's, it comes back to that, like, swinging a kettlebell for a golf swing. It's like, yeah. you don't have to mimic exactly what you're doing day to day or in your sport. No. Um, it's about making you kind of all round stronger. But yeah, I think like just to touch back on sort of the body part split and the full body, the body part split like came out of bodybuilding, basically. Um a lot of enhanced athletes, so yeah, drugs pretty much, a lot of um, steroids, and then the way that kind of the way their body then reacts to strength training is a lot different to someone that's natural, someone that's not taking drugs. Um, so that's why we're kind of in terms of getting someone stronger, and I don't want this to be like misconstrued as just you know, a bodybuilder trying to build muscle because I think everyone from a health point standpoint and from a strength standpoint should be trying to build muscle. Um, yeah, you, you're going to struggle to get too big too quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, like it's not suddenly going to rush up on you. So I think most people, again, there's tons of health benefits. We've written about this before, metabolically and from a physical standpoint. Um, uh, yeah, is is that we're trying to kind of stimulate muscle growth optimally, and so doing movement patterns and hitting muscle groups multiple times a week is the best time is the best way to do that. I mean, the way you can put it out is say you've got eight weeks worth of training. If you're doing a body part split uh, through the week, you're hitting each muscle eight times in that eight weeks. Even if I took you to doing two full body workouts you've doubled the amount of times you're doing it mm-hmm. and i mean if you think of that as a skill if someone said you need to squat bench press whatever x amount of weight in four weeks time i don't think you'd be squatting once a week or i don't think you'd be doing legs once a week you'd yeah. be training a little bit more frequently than that yeah, that's um exactly. so yeah that's that's kind of my our take on yeah, body part splits, full body. Um, yeah, and a little bit into how we program as well, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just a little snippet into uh, how we do it. Yeah, it's and coming back to that, I mean, it kind of links around quite nicely. Coming back to like the postural stuff is full full body workouts. You get things working synergistically. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like all of that kind of posture stuff that we come back to and potentially like issues when we talked about looking at the broader picture rather than getting too narrowed and too drilled in on one specific thing that's going to help you do that as well yeah. is that full body training yeah, yeah. yeah. awesome man so um yeah there's just kind of the first sort of three i guess two or three topics that we had like popped up in the questions and stuff so yeah guys please keep them coming in um anything that you want us to talk about we're going to get some guests on as well we've got a few people lined up uh we've got some pretty good ones actually uh i've got we've got to figure out how to how to lay this out we don't want to peak too early and also we don't want to have like just one or two of us and then we bring a guest on and everyone's like oh can you have the guest back on please because it's much better than you two rambling but yeah um 
yeah, thanks to everyone that kind of wrote in questions. I mean, if you're listening this far, you're probably a like a close relation or family member. So hopefully we can see you. So hopefully we can see you all soon if you've got this far in the episode. Um, but I don't know. I doubt, I doubt anyone else. But yeah. <laughs> There's one question that I really want to talk about. Go on, man. Uh, probably for next one is um, what does Easter mean to you? Is it Easter eggs or hot cross buns? Uh, do what do you want me to answer it now or next week? Next week. Oh, okay. Everyone, what everyone else's response. I nearly gave it away. Yeah. Oh, let's finish actually because we talked about this the other day. Um, kind of a a little finisher. You gave me a a sort of um either or or like would I rather scenario, but I've been thinking you can come at it. I mean, if you've got one off the top of your head, go for it. But I've been thinking kind of like unpopular opinions. Um. And uh, I mean, I've probably got quite a few, a couple I'll put out there. And again, yeah, if you've got one, shoot back or feel free to like disagree straight away. But first couple, so films, overrated films, um, Anchorman and Step Brothers, overrated. Really? How do you feel about that? Step Brothers is brilliant. <laughs> Anchorman is class. <laughs> So, yeah, no. <laughs> the Brothers one like when I was at uni everyone else in my house absolutely loved it and like still to this day they quote it and I just had to do you know like the sort of polite laugh along I was like ah oh, yeah I could like remember the quotes and stuff I was like oh, I don't I just don't find it that funny and uh, my, my wife loves it as well so um she went and got this far in the podcast, so, so don't worry about it. <laughs> She'll never find out. Gherkins. <laughs> um, yeah. With hummus. Oh. Oh, I haven't had that. Banging. They're both quite, like, gherkins pretty vinegary, and hummus can be, like, quite sh- sort of sharp, have a little yeah. bit of that vinegar to it. It's a bit different. So that's double, double vinegar. Double whammy. Oh, I might give that a go. I do like gherkins. Big fan. I used to eat like pickles out of the jar as a kid. Same. Yeah, so quite a big fan of that. Okay, I'll yeah. try it with some hummus. I mean, basically, like my snacks revolve around peanut butter. So like anything with peanut butter on pretty much. There you go, peanut butter gherkins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing, just before we go, pip and nut have a dark roasted peanut butter. Have you had that? I feel like I laugh at everyone for being like coffee connoisseurs or wine snobs, but I feel like dark. I feel like dark roasted peanut butter is turning me, turning me into a bit of a peanut butter snob. <laughs> well, I haven't heard about it before, so yeah. I think you are. Oh, yeah. Excellent, awesome. Cheers, guys. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. And again, get any kind of. Uh, topics questions into us and we will do our best to answer or get someone on that can we will catch you next week cheers dude cheers mate bye guys